Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and welcome to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Today we're talking about Welsh folklore, fairies and spirits, elementals, and we are talking to Halo Quinn. Halo is a practicing fairy witch and a lifelong lover of magic. She's living in Wales, UK. She's devoted to the fairy queen and works with the Welsh gods. She's a storyteller, philosopher, druid, and sensual witch working to re-enchant the world, enchant the world, but also re-enchant the world. (laughs) She's also a PhD in philosophy. (laughs) She's written eight books, and we're going to talk to her about quite a number of different Different subjects. We're going to wander all over the place with this. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Halo. I'm glad to have you here. But I want to start with what is the difference? Because I was going to say mythology. And and before we got on the show, you said no folklore. And what is the difference? So you were going to say folklore, which you did. And mm-hmm. I said, no, no, it's the mythology. Oh, I went so, backwards. Yeah, yeah sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> well, that's okay. And like, there's there's an awful lot of overlap between them. Um, so the way I distinguish the two, also, hi, by the way, and thank you for having me on. Um, <laughs> but the, the way I distinguish the two is that folklore is the kind of the every the everyday experience it's what you get in the in the stories in the fairy tales that's mm-hmm. um and the little tips and tricks and things like hanging a holy stone a hag stone um in a over a door in a window as a protective charm or wearing one as a as a magical charm um dried rowan berries the sort of the uh, as protective um magic so those sorts of those sorts of pieces or the folklore around the i think it's irish the bridget's bridget's cross which mm-hmm. is two sticks of rowan with with threads um or reeds woven through it to make a, a bridget's eye um so the the kind of the folklore around those and then mythology is the big stories so it's the okay. stories of the gods and the lords and the ladies. And um, so the the two, they overlap and they interlink and they connect. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to say it because yeah. people jump all over me, but in a way it's like the superstition of, you know, like if I come in a house and through one door, I have to leave through that door. <laughs> yes. You know, I have no idea where this came from, but I'm not going out another door just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like and superstition is the, the term that we use for the bits that we kind of half remember. Mm-hmm. And sometimes often they've got really practical reasons like don't walk under a ladder because it will mean that someone steps someone steps ahead of you or above you in life is the kind of the magical aspect of it but also don't walk under a ladder in case someone drops something on you right right and i don't yeah. i never knew why don't walk under a ladder 
Yeah, I don't well, get it though. Again, I've got half <laughs> of the idea. <laughs> you know, no idea why. And also, it is kind of a dumb thing to do, <laughs> right? Safety right. wise, yeah, not a good idea. Yeah. So the mythology then is the big stories. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I, I isn't that funny? I got them mixed up. I guess I wanted to go with folklore in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what I'm, is Welsh mythology? So the Welsh mythology. So I've I've written um about a particular area of this in one of my books, um, Gods and Goddesses of Wales. Mm-hmm. Um and the the Welsh mythology mostly boils down to what we find in the Mabinogion or a uh, Mabinogi, um, which is a collection of stories that was brought together from um medieval manuscripts. Mm-hmm. So so they're old stories. They were written down in the 11th 12th century in these manuscripts as far back as we we can trace them and they are quite probably older they draw on older sources and they were collected together by um lady charlotte guest and she worked with local welsh translators to translate them into english and put them together into a collection and there are the four branches of the mabinogion um and then there are i think it's 13 romances which are a whole bunch of arthurian tales so you you know king arthur and the knights yeah. of the round table stuff about him in there and the knights going off on their adventures and mm-hmm. um so my focus has mostly been on the four branches and they're the the big stories of they're written about lords and ladies mm-hmm. but if you look at them you can kind of trace back their magical lords and ladies and it looks like they were stories written down that about beings that once were gods so and, and this was all handed down uh word of mouth and then written down or presumably, did somebody just make them up <laughs> well so presumably they were handed down um word of mouth though uh Professor Ronald Hutton, who's a British historian and a druid himself, mm-hmm. he has a, a theory that the the stories of the Mabinogion were kind of uh, that that were put into the the Mabinogion. Those stories were actually um, legends written in a more literary tradition, drawing on the oral folklore and drawing on the magic behind them. Um, but just because of the style of writing. Mm-hmm. So, so they're kind of they are kind of literary, but if you look at them, you can you can see they're like windows into what would have been handed down word of mouth, what would have been the stories told before. So you get beautiful, beautiful characters, uh, characters, deities, um, as as far as I'm concerned, yeah. like Rhiannon, who is um, a goddess associated with horses and with sovereignty with being being queen with queenship um with offering that queenship from the the land so um the prince marries her um mm-hmm. i'm i'm using um paraphrasing. Obviously, yeah paraphrasing <laughs> um you know the prince marries her and becomes king of the land and she's the one that carries the magic and the wisdom of the land and that that is represented and shown through her relationship with the with the horse with a magical white horse that looks like it's walking so slowly like just the most sedate being ever as she's riding it past um 
where where the prince is sat on a on a magical hill um and so he he chases after her or sends people to chase after her and no matter how fast they go or how fast their horses go or how fast he rides no one can catch up with that until he calls out and some versions of the story it's in the name of god and in other versions of the story it's in the name of love but either way he asks her to stop and when he asks her to stop then she stops she's like all you needed to do was ask if you'd have asked sooner, you'd have saved your poor page boy who ran after me and your poor horse that's been running. And it's sort of in there is encapsulated this magical relationship between this otherworldly being mm -hmm. who has come up from the, the other world, from Anun, and um, marries then the, a human lord and becomes part of our world bringing her magic but there needs to be a request it cannot be taken it cannot be stolen and it, it can't be, be chased <laughs> and it can't be chased well you can chase mm -hmm. it but you're not going to catch it yeah yeah so it's that invitation it's like please will you stop and tell me who you are and mm -hmm. will you will you join me mm -hmm. um turns out she was there very specifically because she wanted to to marry him and become part of our world. And so there was that. And again, there's that thread. But anyway, so you've got Rhiannon, who for modern day pagans is a deity. Mm -hmm. um, and her stories in the in the first branch of the Mabinogi, in the first quarter of, of these epic stories, she uh, comes out of the mists under mysterious circumstances. She has to be asked. She demonstrates an immense amount of wisdom. There's a whole bunch of of challenges, and she almost um, almost ends up having to marry someone she doesn't want to, and works her way out of it. Um, and then she goes through more and more challenges um, as the queen of the the, the lady of the land. Mm -hmm. um, in that, at first. At first, everyone's like, oh, she's so beautiful and wonderful and wise and brings all these gifts. And then they are suspicious of her because she's from the other world. Mm -hmm. And her husband stands by her. And in standing by her, he and she managed to keep that relationship, even when um, they have a child and the child is stolen away and she's blamed for its murder um, and punished for it so she goes through all of these these things and each 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 piece of the story tells you something about what Rhiannon as goddess does who she is mm -hmm. and how she relates to us and how we can relate to her so loyalty is important, learning to trust, recognizing that the other isn't necessarily something to be distrustful of you know finding that relationship and then and this is one of the things that makes these stories so unusual as the the stories that they were is there's this, this heavy thread of uh, women's experience in them in her dealing with the loss of the child and the guilt and cultural shame that mm -hmm. is around that so she has to deal with that and then spoiler um <laughs> the joy when he is returned to her and all comes clear mm -hmm. um at the the end of that but there's this this thread in there that talks about this experience which doesn't often come up in myths or in yeah. in the old stories 
So yeah, they're they're unusual in that, but they also hold a lot of keys to to magical things. Not only that, but a lot of keys to woman in the fact that um, you're entering into this, and all the challenges seem to be yours. <laughs> I mean, yes. through this whole mythology, he's hardly mentioned in these passes. Well, and- I'm. I'm- Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, so he oh, does okay. have a he does have a role to play. But um, in the in the before she turns up, he mm-hmm. proves himself as a decent as a decent person as and as a friend oh, okay. to the other world. Yeah. But when she turns up, what's really interesting is that he keeps making mistakes and then having to learn to trust in her wisdom. Mm-hmm. So the the message there is for whoever is identifying with with. Um, is his name um he whoever is is following that is learning to trust the wisdom of the other world now if you want to take it as a psychological uh, uh, Jungian type thing you've right. got this this human part of ourselves learning to trust the deep wisdom of the intuitive subconscious magical side of ourselves mm-hmm. if you take it as a, a story about how to relate to Rhiannon, the goddess of of sovereignty of the land of motherhood of becoming queen of holding that wisdom then it's got those messages in there reflected on for those relationships it's about that loyalty that trust and the asking and being open to listening Mm -hmm. so it's it's operating on those two levels it's operating on the level of of giving um in in that thread that I described women something to to relate to and to go okay women who have lost uh lost a child say um that's what I was thinking also the grief and the yeah the pain yeah yeah there's space for it there so -hmm. these are many many layered stories um that hold keys to magical relationships internal healing and cultural ways of of discussing um cultural taboos Mm -hmm. uh didn't mean to get into something quite so heavy right at the very well, beginning yeah i'm thinking oh <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but, but you can see how powerful I'm, it is yeah, yeah and then i'm trying to take the thread into today's world of um well you know because that's where i said he's he's hardly mentioned he's passive you know and it does feel like the woman is carrying the world the woman is carrying everything and the guy's kind of passive you know we're starting to get away from that more which is great but you know i'm thinking in the story but then you said oh no i'm not telling you that part (laughs) yeah and and then you get um in the Hang on, let me get this the right way around. In the second branch, um, you have the tale of Bran uh, of Bran and Branwen, who are brother and sister. And Branwen ends up being married off to an Irish king. And through a series of incredibly unfortunate events, she gets locked away and is being beaten. And it's not very nice. So her brother then takes the active role to go and rescue her. Mm-hmm. Once she manages to get a message to him through the starlings. But it still is the woman is is taking the brunt of life. <laughs> and yes. the guy is is, you know, coming to rescue her, you know, that kind of thing. Like a Cinderella. Yeah. Like yeah. a Cinderella. Yeah. So um 
and then then there are the other the other aspects of that is of course that um bran is uh, whose name means means raven or or corvid um mm-hmm. and Branwen is white raven or or blessed raven. Uh, the wen is either uh, fair or or white or, or blessed, so indicates um, historically would have indicated a deity. Um, and one of the things that it tells the story about is uh, that is is told in this myth is the journey that Bran goes through in looking after his. Um, his his people, his army, his soldiers, his men, um, carrying them across. He literally, he's a giant, and he literally lays his body across a chasm so that they can walk across it, as, so that he's a bridge for them. Um, yeah. And I mean that 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 particular story is it does not have a happy ending at all. Um, but it does illustrate something again about some of the hardships and the different kinds of the different nature of hardships and struggles that that people go through, whether they are a warrior leading people or uh, or in this instance someone who's who's been trapped in a, a bad situation. And yes, often those are sort of done in the the masculine and and feminine roles, right. but not always, not always. Um, there's uh in the fourth branch we then get blood eye with who is a a more more my territory in the sense that she's she always strikes me as being a fairy spirit uh or akin to fairy spirits um because she's the the she's a woman made of flowers um to be a bride for a a prince who has been put under a, a spell that means he cannot marry a woman of human birth so mm-hmm. she's she's a bride made of flowers um and she's given to to this prince and for a while they're happy and then actually she gets to a point where she meets someone else and falls in love and takes control over her life and they plot to kill him um and you know so there's you can see just from from these at the start you've got um uh the Puig um proving himself as a as a decent person and then Rhiannon turning up with the otherworldly wisdom that he needs to learn to listen to and she's going through the challenges that she goes through of um not being trusted of being a stranger in a strange land of um loss and of recovery and then you have the tales of of Bran and Branwen um where they're um uh like trapped and rescuing and those sort of aspects and then you have the the tale of blood eye with who is otherworldly again but this time she's taken from the other world so mirroring Rhiannon moving from the other world into this world she's taken from the other world and given to someone and that goes horribly wrong for him mm-hmm. so you you can see these are huge epic long stories with all the loads of different nuances um one of the big characters in them one of the 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 deities Gwydion um who is a, a magician um and he you you see him learn to do better 
and to do better by his his family at the start when he first turns up he's quite a trickster figure and then at the end he's using his his tricksterness to look after his his nephew so you know there's and these are all interwoven into each other it's, it's pretty really complicated yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. Now, now every culture has mythology right yes yes okay what does mythology do for us yeah, <laughs> it always has an element of magic where they're coming from another place or, mm-hmm. you know, but what does mythology do for us? So really? I think that mythology in particular deals with the really big pieces of life. And again, we've got these multiple layers. So on a psychological layer, Jungian kind of layer, you've got this way in which it helps us understand the different parts of ourselves and how they inter- interrelate. The the sort of um, ego relating to the intuition mm-hmm. um, and the ways it can go well or badly. Um, then on a, on a kind of more uh, human in the world level, You've got things about, well, how do we relate to, say, for example, nature? So um, in the story of Blood Iwith, where she's a, a spirit of the flowers, she's made into human form and, and other people relate to her. That tells us this story about, OK, well, how do we as humans relate to nature and the world around us? And this is a lot in fairy tales and folk tales as well. This is a, mm-hmm. a very strong thread through there. How do we relate to the human community and how do we relate to our non-human community? And then there's the the magical level. Um, and this is just like there are many other levels as well, but the the magical level is is those places where they act as windows and doorways into the workings of the universe. So behind these beings, behind Rhiannon, behind Bladiwith, behind Gwydion, you have forces and powers and magic in the world, uh, in the universe, which we see represented and talking to us through these characters, through these names and these masks, and we can relate to them. And when we read about their stories, we can see, okay, well, if I want to get in touch with my own sovereignty or with the power of sovereignty, then how would I approach Rhiannon? And then we can surround ourselves with her symbols, the the horses, um, for example. We can. She has magical birds that sing you to sleep or sing you to wakefulness. Mm-hmm. So we can listen to birdsong and meditate on that. Okay, how do we move from unconsciously walking through life to consciously being aware of it? How do we move from consciously making decisions to listening to our deep dream intuition? It's got all of those pieces in there. And those instructions are encoded in the stories. So whichever level we want to read them at. And on top of all of that, they're entertaining. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like watching the neighbors, the royal neighbors. (laughs) Yes. The royal mystical, magical neighbors. (laughs) More entertaining for sure. (laughs) Wow. Um, And yet. As I said, every culture has mythology. Um, now, the Welsh mythology, in a way, is also Celtic mythology, yeah, yeah. which so, I so, believe came into the United States into 
you know, now is in Appalachian mythology and folk um, Ozark or, you know, these are some places where it didn't dissipate. It didn't get melded in or lost in, um, you know, it was kept isolated somehow. So we didn't lose it, but I can still see it there. You know. So that's uh, so Celtic is the umbrella term for mm. dozens and dozens of different tribes and peoples and languages. Um, so so Celtic kind of covers this huge, um, uh, both through time and space, selection of of cultural and mythological and language based uh, differences. Now, um, a lot of for quite a long time in in pagan circles and in general uh, general circles if you talked about something being celtic people mm -hmm. automatically thought of irish yeah they thought of the irish myths and they they yeah. were thought of as being uh, like if you were talking about something celtic you were talking about something irish mm -hmm. and when i when i wrote my wrote my book um i wanted to things were starting to shift and there's a there's an amazing druid and author christopher hughes who writes much much better than i do um and with a with a uh, he's a first language welsh speaker he's the head of the anglesey uh, order of druids um and he writes absolutely beautifully on the the welsh mythology but at the point i wrote i started writing my book there wasn't much out. I think his was one of the, he had one of his first ones. Um, I think it was Celtic magic he'd brought out was one of the first ones that actually talked about the Welsh mythology that was known about. Um, so there wasn't a lot actually saying, no, hang on a minute. If you say Celtic, you're talking about a broad spectrum of people. And you're, if you're just referring to the Irish, you are ignoring this hugely important, rich cultural piece in Wales. You're ignoring so the the, the Welsh mythologies, the Welsh Celtic people. You're ignoring um, the 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 little bits of Scottish that we've got left. There isn't a lot left um, written down of the Scottish stuff, and I I'm not sure why. I know so, uh, other people write write about the the whys on that um but the you know and also the the gallic people uh the celtic gallic uh, peoples over in mainland europe so there are celtic tribes in mainland europe so to reduce it down to irish mythology and irish culture mm -hmm. um was something that was being done a lot and i wanted to i've lived in wales now for uh, 17 17 years and after I'd been here for a decade when I when I first turned up and I first came to visit Lampeter um, which is Chlambed upon Stefan is where I where I went to university um, to study philosophy of all things and when I first visited and I stepped out of the my mum's little mini um, which she called Buster because it purred like our cat called Buster it was this little old-fashioned mini and we'd driven up through these windy 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 roads through the mists and the trees and the sh looking down at the sheer drop to the the stream down by uh, into the middle of nowhere and came out into this this clearing of sunshine and stopped in Lampeter and I got out of the car and I suddenly felt like I was home huh. and the land itself 
welcomed me. That was how it felt. And I'm like, this is where I belong. I have never felt home anywhere and I feel home here. And by the time I'd been here for 10 years, I wanted to give something back. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't seeing the stories, um, the the mythology or the, the, the deities and the beings being given the attention that they deserved. And so I wrote this as a devotional act mm-hmm. based on my experiences as a, a storyteller. I started telling the stories, anglicized because I'm terrible with accents. Um, yeah. Thank God. Um, <laughs> 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 if you threw a heavier accent into this, we would have lost you completely. <laughs> I'm, I, 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 yeah, I managed to grow up with very, very received English, which is yeah. helpful in situations like very this. Very helpful. <laughs> yeah, uh, all the people I grew up around thought that I was from somewhere else. So, um, yeah, I blame my mother for that. Um, but it's useful anyway. Yeah. So I. But if I, you I were not, a, were you a pagan when you first came? Oh, yeah. to, you know, ten years ago or seventeen years ago when you got. Oh there. yeah, yeah. So I, you were already open to the magic, to receiving, to feeling the oh, land. Yeah. 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 So I I grew up in a a place called Swindon, which is it's a large town, um, but it's basically halfway between. Um, or halfway between. It's somewhere between Bristol, which is a really big city in the south uh, west of England, and London, which I'm yeah, assuming everyone has heard city, of London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Reading, which is just outside London, which again is big city, lots of work, lots of stuff going on. So people would would live in Swindon because it was cheap and very easy to get onto the motorway to go other places. Mm-hmm. So most people that that li- came to live in Swindon that had any money or any drive or, or any anything at the point I was growing up they from where I was they just they came so that they could go other places mm-hmm. so the place itself was kind of uh, culturally a bit it always felt a bit a void. <laughs> yeah I used like to call a it a black hole point. <laughs> yeah. yeah and and the people who was sta- who who stayed there um like most of the people you saw in the town centre itself, rather than in the shopping spaces on the edges, which, you know, were people who were there because that was where they had to be or they were there by default. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I grew up. Now, I found the nooks and crannies and I found the the corners in the, the parks, which were liminal. And there was a beautiful, beautiful old graveyard just around the corner from where I grew up, from the house I grew up in. Um, and my garden that I, I was in had more trees in it, even though it was half the length of all the other gardens. It had more trees in it than every other garden on the street. Mm-hmm. Um because my mum was pagan. We had tarot oh, cards okay. in the house. Um, and I, I discovered this when I was about 10 and I, I found out that witches were real. Um, and I went to my mum and I said, mum, I think I'm a witch. And she was stirring the the um, cooking pot <laughs> on the stove at the time with her back to me. And she said, that's all right, dear. I think we all are really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? I kind of agree with her, though, with that. I think, you know, deep down, we all are. Yeah. 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 So we've we just lost our them. roots. Yeah. Lost our roots. As you said, you want to re-enchant the world. But you know what? I'm going to take a break right now. 
And uh, we're going to come back and we're going to, I want to talk too about the fairies and the spirits and the elementals. My, the only thing I know and back to the Irish is, is the leprechaun and also the Druids that there was, there's almost no information written down on the Druids, which is my understanding of, of an older magic is they don't, if you wrote it down, you lost some of it. You know, they didn't write it down. But anyway, we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. One thing's for certain, life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Hi, we're back with Halo Quinn, who is a wealth Welsh wealth. There's a lot of wealth here. (laughs) We've been talking about Welsh mythology. And now we're going to talk about uh, fairy spirits and elementals. And um, my big question is, are they the same thing? So the short answer is yes and no. No, that's not an answer. (laughs) Maybe would have worked. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Yes and no. Okay, so. Um, some people will describe them as being the same thing. Um, I don't. So spirits is the term kind of, that's the umbrella term. That's the the big box that they all kind of right. fit in. Um, so yes, fairies are a type of spirit. Elementals are a type of spirits. Um, ghosts, ancestor spirit, uh, types of spirits. Um, you know, you get animal spirits, you get deities gods and goddesses they're types of spirits as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. angels are types of spirits so they're all types of spirits now so that's fair- the umbrella term spirit yeah 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 um now fairies and elementals are a bit tricky to define and one of the reasons they're tricky to, to define is because people use the terms in different ways mm-hmm. as with so much of this um yeah. Now, the way that I think about it is that if all of reality is a series of vibrations, you could kind of visualize it on a spectrum. Um, and you've got right at one end, though it goes in a circle, really. But for most of us, for our experiences of it, right at one end, you've got the physical and that sort of really dense energy where you've got matter. And um, we are privileged to 
to experience this this part of the spectrum as strongly as we do as far as I'm concerned because there's so much about it that's amazing and then as you go along the spectrum you get different vibrations of of spirits um it seems to me like it's different densities but that's not quite the right word and then right up at the at, at the other end um you've got the the universal all the the um divine source um the absolute creator the the bit that is actually permeates everything um but pure so we're pure going energy. from dense to lightest yeah kind of yeah that's and they too all simple <laughs> no no that's exactly it and they all of these layers they're not separate they're all inter interlinked inter uh, into not interspersed um, they all interpenetrate each other. Mm-hmm. So they're all existing in the same space. Like you've got a jar that's got pebbles in it and then it's got sand in it and it's got water in it. The water and the sand and the pebbles all exist in the same jar, but they're different uh, densities and fluidities. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like that. Now, if we go close to the, the physical end, you've got us and you've got our experiences of the emotional level of energy, the um thinky the thought level of energy um the sort of the bit of spiritual that we hit up to this sort of this kind of range in the spectrum and i think of that as quite actually quite a small part of the whole spectrum um that we can reach up to Mm -hmm. in all of those fairies and elementals overlap quite a lot with our spectrum they are in that bracket of spirit beings we're spirit beings as well and our our spirit is partly physical and there's a bracket of spirit beings that are not quite physical but come very close mm-hmm. fairies elementals um a lot of ghosts come very close to being physical um or they can do there's a whole whole bunch um and things like angels and gods can also get quite close to that but it takes some more energy because it's not where they naturally live so we'll leave them aside for now Mm-hmm. So fairies and elementals sort of operate in overlapping with us a lot. Elementals are, uh, they are the spirit beings that are the consciousnesses or the blueprints of the the foundational elements of life, of existence. So this is going back to ancient greek philosophy and then feeding through into through it actually feeds through sort of ceremonial magic um these these four foundational elements some people count spirit as a fifth one but we'll stick to just the four classical ones here um i go into this quite in depth in my course elemental magic Um, all right wait a minute what are the four classical ones Yep. So I, four... I'm thinking, wait a minute, I know two, maybe three. <laughs> which which ones do you know? Which ones I'm do you know? thinking fairy spirits and elementals. And but then uh, what's no. that fourth one? <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> so, sure that even those three are right. <laughs> so so ele- the elements are earth, air, fire, and water. Oh my god, I'm way off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's all right. So earth, air, fire and water. And if we think about it magically and energetically, those are the energetic building blocks in the Western magical tradition. They're considered to be the energetic building blocks of all of existence. Mm. Right. And then spirit is what either binds them all together or rises out from them or holds them all. Depending, It does all of those things, depending on where you look at it. It's the mystery around them. Mm-hmm. 
So those four building blocks and with the earth, that's the physicalist, densest um, energy that even sometimes does become physical. But it's also all of the things. I feel like I'm groveling at the bottom here. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. The density, you know. (laughs) we, we, We weave through all of them. And this is where, so we don't need to understand all of this rationally with our minds. We can mm-hmm. feel it. So yeah, you know that. that I yeah? understand, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you've got that strong connection with the, the intuition mm-hmm. to spirit. So you've got that connection that way. You don't need to rationalize it to have that. We already all have it. Yeah. Whether or and not actually, we actually, I couldn't rationalize it. People are asking me, how does this work? I have no clue. No <laughs> clue. <laughs> and I... I have lots of theories, but they're mm-hmm. all only theories. Yeah. I don't know. Well, what are some of your theories? Some of my theories. Well, so and this is what I'm talking about. So the 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 um the different frequencies, like that spectrum, and where we sit on there. So the the other um the other part that you were asking about then was the elementals. So we've got the elements. Mm-hmm. Earth being the the more physical stuff, water being the more fluid, which ties in with the emotional, energetic realm. Um, air being the the more rational thinky, that sort of the inspiration and the clarity of thought and the fresh the wind that blows through. You know, when you're struck by an idea and it just sort of blows into your brain. Mm-hmm. And then fire, those sort of the spark and the passion and the heat and the movement. Mm-hmm. So. That those are kind of the four four categories, four building blocks energetically, and they're four categories of where you can put almost everything, where you can put anything in the world, and go, well, that's that fits with fire, that fits with earth, and this is the foundation of of kind of sympathetic magic, um, because if all earth things are things like rocks and um, the color green because that's growing things and other earthy things might be money then if you want to put together a spell for wealth you'd use rocks and green things because they're all in that category of earth so this is like that's a sort of crash course in in yeah yeah you know very very simplified because they're all tuned into the same set the same energies now within each of those you have spirits that are kind of the consciousness of those. Mm-hmm. And so the earth energy um, and the names, come, again, come from, um, they don't come from theosophy. Where do they come from? They come from, no, the name's gone. Um, but a, a chap, there was a chap that put all these things uh, together and the, the names, everyone went, yes, that makes sense. Um, so it has has some truth in it somewhere. So the the earth energy is where the earth elementals so the consciousnesses of that energy live and they go by the name of gnomes right mm-hmm. and think if you think of the garden gnomes that y- you see in people's front gardens or back gardens yeah right c- kind of like that only a bit more serious yeah <laughs> <laughs> Generally well, speaking, you know, we've serious. got these cute little statues that we call gnomes. That's all yeah. I know about gnomes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think those statues. were in I think those were inspired by those elementals, those earth elementals, because we wanted to invite those beings of um, the power of the earth into our gardens where the earth and the growing things are in order to bring more of that positive 
the positive side of that, the energy of that in to strengthen it all. So I think that's where where gnomes actually, the the little garden gnomes, I think that's where they came from. And because they make people smile, every mm-hmm. time someone sees one or interacts with them and they ha- and it makes them smile, they're putting positive energy into that space and into gnomes and the work that gnomes do. It's a little bit of of raising worth, the vibration a little raising bit. vibrations yeah, yeah. and of honoring those spirits. Yeah. You have mentioned I'm gonna butcher this. So and Andina Andines, something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. right? Celts and salamanders. <laughs> so um the, like the nose are, are leprechauns yeah, yeah. in there <laughs> <laughs> no no leprechauns are something slightly different so like gnomes being the elementals of earth mm-hmm. undines are the spirits the elementals of water sylphs are the spirits of air and salamanders are the spirits of fire okay. so if you want so if you want to encounter those spirits then you sit with those elements and the one thing that I would say is that they are the consciousnesses of those elements. So if you are sat with fire and the salamanders go, come and play, don't do it because they don't understand that you're not made of fire and that the fire will burn them up. If yeah. the undines say to you, come and swim with us. I ha- and I had this this experience once where I was sat communing with the water and I, the spirits were there and they're like, come and play, come and play. And I'm like, I can't, I'll die. And they're like, what's die? And mm. I said, well, I'll lose this body. And they say, well, why do you want that body anyway? Come and play. Yeah. There was no malice there, just mm-hmm. a completely different perspective. So if you're encountering these spirits and it's the same with any spirit, remember that their perspective is different to us. And this How is where we I get- encountered them. How do you encounter them? Yeah. Okay. A little so, side here, you know, but yeah, I always yeah. do want, you know, we want that connection to the Absolutely. magic, to the, uh, to the higher frequency or vibration, you know, but how do you do it? Yeah. So one thing that you can do if, say you want to connect with the, um, you want to connect with the gnomes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, go and sit outside on the dirt or lie with your body on the dirt on the grass under a tree or on a rock somewhere where you can feel the earth Mm -hmm. and relax into it with the intention of feeling the energy and meet of of the element of earth and of meeting the elementals of the gnomes and by doing that by relaxing into it and by breathing and you can let your mind wander but kind of keep bring bring yourself back to that intention of and it's a state of listening and feeling it's that that being open to to intuition when you when you open to listen to spirit you can also open to listen to the earth and the elementals there. For water, go and sit next to a body of water, sit next to a river and gaze into the river and allow your mind to soften, relax into it and feel. What does that feel like? Can you hear anything? And I don't mean hear with your ears. It's a, is there something in your mind? Like, do you get a sense of a feeling of a song? 
some people hear songs really clearly and they're hearing the music of the the spirits and other people might get a sense of a feeling of it and their brain translates it into sound and then other people don't get sound at all but they get other get it in other ways so it's just go and be with them you've yeah so it's best not to look for it or trying to your mind to find it but your mind to drift yeah it's best to open to it because mm-hmm. they're already there yeah yeah can i see them some people can some people yeah. can now i used to get tripped up because i was even from before i discovered that witchcraft and paganism was a thing at age 10 or 11 and got my tarot cards out and things mm. I, right when i was tiny i used to go looking for fairies and i got tripped up by this because everyone said oh everyone would talk about it in visual language like oh have you seen the fairies today so i thought they meant i had to see them with my eyes yeah. and i'd go and i'd hide in the like i'd go looking for them hiding in the 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 hedgerows i'd find little hollows in there and i'd sit and i knew they were there because I could feel them. I could feel the the prickle on my skin and there was almost like a sparkle out of the corner of my eye, but I couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. I could hear their messages, but not with my ears. And I'm like, well, that's weird. But I couldn't see anything. And I started to disbelieve that I was able to until the point that I realized that it's not a literal thing. Sometimes sometimes spirit beings will put enough energy into becoming physically visible and then you can see them and sometimes you can put enough energy into that and some people the connections between their spirit knowing and their um, sight centers in their mind are so strongly developed that they can see in Mm -hmm. as though they are seeing the physical world but for most of us it's softer than that and it's an allowing. And if you allow yourself to recognize them, then you can get a sense of what they look like. You can get and you can receive it through whichever sense makes the most sense to your brain. And the same goes for fairies. So where the elementals are are quite strictly within one or the other of the energetic categories, fairies are much more like us. So if we go back to that spectrum, an earth elemental sits in the energy of the physical, a water elemental in the in the energy that we consider emotional. A fairy spirit overlaps, and RJ Stewart would say they overlap with three of them, two or three of them. I say it varies more than than that, and that there's no hard and fast rule. But they overlap with more layers close to us, but not quite physical. And their connection tends, they tend to be expressions of this earth. So fairy beings are spirits of this earth, just like we are, or like many of, at least half of us are. Um, Yeah. yeah? (laughs) Yeah. So they're, they're spirits of this earth. Like, I'm a spirit of this earth. This is where I come from. My spirit Mm -hmm. self comes from this planet. I I know other people who who don't, and they struggle, and they can struggle with being physically embodied more than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, That's okay. We're just, it's not, there's no better or or there's no judgment or hierarchy. It's just different. And fairies are spirits of this earth. And you Um, mean this is where you came from before you incarnated into this earth or what does that mean part yeah, of this you, earth yeah or you just you know, are you just are able to accept your density kind of thing a bit know? of both um mm-hmm. 
So when I don't know how objectively true this is, but whether it's real in a literal sense or real in a story sense, it's like different people's energetically and spirit, like the spirit parts of us, all of our bodies come from this earth, but different people kind of resonate with different sources, different planetary or or stellar sources. And mm-hmm. it's like their spirit originated somewhere else or a part of their spirit is so closely attuned to that energy that that's that kind of feels more almost like where they should be um and we're here we're on this earth for a reason and this is why this is where the the my work with spirits and my work with um uh, sexual magic and embodiment and pleasure comes in in that we are physical beings we've chosen to be here for a reason so wherever our spirit is from or resonates with we've opted to be here so when we can tune our spirit into our physical body and learn to resonate magically grounded on this earth and in our our physical selves and I believe we can use um, the the energy of eros is is life force. It's pleasure that guides us. When we're in healthy relationship with our body, we can follow that energy of pleasure to be more strongly in our magic and more in tune with our truth in the world. But that's a huge conversation that might be best left for another time. Right. I was thinking we only have like half a minute. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure that people know where to get hold of you and, and what you have coming up, because what you started to talk about, <clears> you <throat> do have a new book coming out about that. So you I tell do. us. Yeah. yeah. So that book is due. So my, my most recent one, which we've talked about some of the topics in there was Folktales, Fairies and Spirits that came out in August under the name Halo Quinn. Um through moon books and you can get that anywhere and my next book is out in january that's called crimson craft which is the subtitle is sexual magic for the solo witch and it's about that finding the pleasure in yourself and healing that part of yourself and that connection um i also have an online academy called theenchantedacademy.com so you can find some of my courses and things on there and you can find all of my stuff links to everything on haloquin.net so that's h-a-l-o-q-u-i-n dot n-e-t um yeah the next book i'm writing is on uh, bardic skills for witches so using storytelling and um your voice and all of that for actually in your magic so i'm looking forward to seeing that come out <laughs> absolutely amazing <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I loved it. We've we've got much more to talk about. We might continue a little bit after, <laughs> but right now we're going to have to close out the show. Thank you for being here. And Thank we'll also have things on my website, aviewthroughtheveil.com. So thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.